back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. And Golden State. Right to the hole. He ties the game at 98. has got 20 to lead the way for the Spurs. Got to make him make that chop at the outside. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. C. Grant, what's good? And we return with our post-All-Star game stretch run edition of Views from the Clutch. As always, we'd like to take this moment out to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you'd like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we're hosted on. So Spotify, Apple Music, whatever the case may be. Find us, search for Views from the Clutch. Join the wave. If you'd like to reach us directly, you can do so by emailing us at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. You can tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. A lot to talk about. I don't know if we're going to do an extra extra minute session. We're going to try to give you all the best hour we can. I mean, I can give more time. I don't know if C. Grant got it in him, but pause. There's just a lot that's been going on in the NBA since we last left y'all. And we want to definitely make sure we cover it. Um, we did handle the trades, though, right? We handled the trades. We pretty much, we pretty much caught up all the trades. We might have left mm-hmm. with a few of the trades unspoken of, but um, let me see if I can run through some of the current events. And if I miss something, see Grant. I don't know if you have your computer open to to G check me, but I am fully open to any corrections or additions to this. Um, as we go live today. Nate McMillan has been terminated as the coach of the Atlanta Hawks. Something that we speculated on, um, the NBA and, you know, trade wins and all of those things did speak about the possibility. Nate McMillan had actually addressed it earlier in the season that he had no intentions of resigning or of leaving the team. But that turns out to be a situation that he actually did not ever really have control of. Um, Rumblings in Atlanta have been that there has been a disconnect between Trey Young and the coaching staff based off of a situation where Trey Young was sent home and not allowed to participate or attend the game because of a falling out that he had with Nate McMillan, which led to Trey, Trey Young having a really funny, in my perception, because you know I'm sarcastic, really funny exchange with a media member where Trey Young said things that should have stayed internal didn't, and if you would like to keep asking me questions about something I'm not going to talk about, you could just stop because, you know, Trey Young is so gangster, you know. Nothing like a 5'9 point guard telling you to stop asking him questions. Um, Along with that, Jason Tatum is now the record holder for all-star game points scored with 55, breaking Anthony Davis, street clothes Davis's previously established record of 52 points in an all-star game that Team Giannis won over Team LeBron in a game where LeBron James joined the fray and managed to find a way to injure himself trying to block a shot through the rim. Of course, LeBron James was slated to not play that entire game as he is resting his body and trying to brace himself for a stretch run of these final 23 games now that the Lakers actually have a roster that smells like it might be competitive. Along with that, there are a number of 
moves that have taken place during this trading period that we plan to go over as we reposition and possibly recalibrate our thoughts on who's going to come out of the East and who's going to come out of the West. C. Grant, let us know if I missed something or if there's some things that you would like to discuss that I didn't mention. Uh, you talked, did you, you didn't mention about Russ uh, signing with the Clippers. Oh, I didn't really get to where the, oh, where the okay. uh, buyout market went, but I appreciate you bringing that up because Russell Westbrook signing with the LA Clippers is a pending acquisition uh, fallout from the, um, the trade that the Lakers made to acquire D'Angelo Russell wound up with Russell Westbrook landing in Utah and Utah basically telling Russell Westbrook, you're welcome to report, but the likelihood of us being able to make time available for you to be on the court is not guaranteed. And if you would like to pursue a buyout, then, you know, we're here for you. Russell Westbrook is finishing up a $47 million salary for this season. Um, considering that there's only 23 games left in the season, depending on how his contract is structured. I don't know how much money is being left on the table or how much money he's given back for that buyout. But the irony of where Russell Westbrook is going and who he's playing with is something that I definitely did want to do explore a little bit later on in the podcast. So we'll circle back to Russell Westbrook staying home in L.A. Um, and on that note, speaking of Russell Westbrook and L.A., um, I know this isn't directly related to basketball, but one of the biggest Laker fans of recent memory was Nipsey Hussle, who, of course, was tragically murdered. And the man who has been convicted of his murder has now been sentenced to 60 years. So hopefully justice will continue to be served in that regard. R.I.P. to Nipsey. Um, mm -hmm. What else you got? No, I didn't even hear that last part um, on the news or nothing like that. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he no. got 60. He got 25. He got 25 off of taking a life. And then they gave him like a 10-year kicker for doing it with a gun. And then another 25. Or it might be he got 25 for doing it with a gun and then 10 for being like a recidivist or something like that. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but our background is in criminal justice. So we tend to have a little bit more of a advanced understanding of that system. So some of those things that y'all wind up reading and seeing, those are just kind of like second nature to us because we got forced to actually learn that stuff in school. But yeah, they banged them, they banged them for 60. They banged them for 60. They did a 25, 25, and then a 10 year. So, and it's all running, like I think, uh, consecutive, not consecutive, but concurrent, so that he winds up with a full 60-year mm -hmm. year, 60 yeah. prison stay. Yep. And I, like I said, I don't want to delve into it even more, mm -hmm. but we all know that him getting 60 years in prison based off of the life that he took and who that person was, it's going to be going to be a unique experience for that young man. So um, that being said, um, back to the NBA, um, I'm trying to think. I know there's some things that I left out. Giannis, um, did not participate in the full All-Star game. He actually, mm -hmm. I think, checked in, did a layup, and then checked back out. And it's been determined that he has sprained ligaments in his wrist. So I am curious to see how long that's going to keep him out and how that will affect the Eastern Conference race. Um, Joe Mazzula, he has been formally granted full-time coach status for the Boston Celtics as they gave him a multi-year deal. Um, mm -hmm. Another coach got a multi-year deal, too. Jacques Vaughn, your man. Jacques Vaughn. You keep doing that because you I'm just saying now. Thought, okay, cool. It's all good. Cool. He really went to sure. Kansas and he couldn't shoot. How can he be my man? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. <laughs> Wait, Come but on, did bro. we talk you went, about... You went to Kansas and you couldn't shoot, and that's one of my favorite schools. Like, now nah, you play for Bill Self. No, actually, I think he's a Roy Williams guy. But regardless, point guards that can't shoot, they never get no favor. Him, Mateen, Cleaves, there's like a whole collection of them. Half of them is your boys, too. Ed Coda. Um, who else? 
There's a whole ah! bunch of legendary. There's a whole bunch of legendary point guards with no jumper. You know, college legends that if it came down to you know life support or we all dying with them making a jump shot, we all better be prepared to go to the pearly gates. Some of these guys just couldn't shoot. Um, yeah. Yo, I didn't know we starting off like this, but yeah, no. I think the only the only thing that we didn't cover um, is the one highlight. I guess the the one highlight from All Star Weekend was the slam dunk contest where um, what's his name Mac 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 McCullough. I think his name. How do you do that? How how you do that? How you do that? How how do you do that? Ladies and gentlemen, viewers, I apologize for C grade. The winner of the slam dunk contest is Philadelphia seventy sixer. Mac M A C McClung M C McCullough. Why did I think it was McCullough? My bad. No disrespect to him. He 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 showed up. I mean, listen. He is the all-time point scorer in Virginia basketball history, having surpassed one Allen Bubba Chuck Iverson as the greatest scorer in Virginia basketball history. So let's there give that go. man his props. Yeah, nah, shout out to him because I didn't know honestly, and he got he got recruited to go to Georgetown and that didn't work he out played. for him. He, he played, played for Georgetown. Two years. He played two yeah. years, transferred to I can't remember where he was. I think he Texas Tech, to. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He had a decent college career, but Mac McClung was a viral sensation. He was, and I you know, I'm sorry I'm gonna have to do this and speak in this way because I don't use that word, so I'm not gonna use that word. But he was one of those guys that could jump. And in basketball, people of his ethnic persuasion with athletic ability are often considered and celebrated for that anomaly. We can go through the list, and I could probably come with the top 10, you could say it, but, you know, that can jump. You got your Brent Barrys, your Tom Chambers, people of that cloth. And now Mac McClung, he's probably at the forefront of that of that dynasty of those those rare B players with, with that his athletic ability that he put on display at the slam dunk contest because here's the thing that he needs to be given credit for one he what was he like six two at the yeah, most if, if that and he did a number of dunks where he dribbled and took the ball to the rim see the trick when you aren't that tall something that you and I can relate to you're taller than me but I'm five ten the trick to being able to pull off dunks when your verticality isn't or your overall wingspan length, whatever the case may be, if your ability to get to the rim is based on surely you're jumping, it's a lot harder to take the ball up with you to the rim. So a lot of these guys to show off their athletic ability, put the ball in the air and go get it. He did mm-hmm. that and he brought the ball with him to the rim off the bounce. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really, and, and again, it can be said that um, he had a perfect slam dunk contest. He didn't get all 50. There was one dunk where he didn't get a 50, but he had three. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to say he had the collection of the four best dunks or three best dunks that I've ever seen in dunk history, but in comparison to the field, he definitely outplayed the field. No, of course. Like, like I was telling people, he actually came to win. Everybody else was just there to be like, all right. No, I think uh, I think Trey from from New Orleans. He was trying to win. I just mm. don't think he had an understanding of what it actually would take for someone of his body size to win a dunk contest because he's like why six, not? Nine. There's a, but there's enough. There's enough six nine winners. Who? Six eight. Okay, you got in between six eight and six. Nine. 
Derrick Jones Jr. that won it last year is what was he six eight, six nine? Two years ago, three years ago, he won. He's like six. When seven. he beat when he beat Aaron Gordon, he's six seven. Okay, well Aaron Gordon is taller than he him. He beat Aaron Gordon. No, no, Aaron Gordon lost to Zach Levine twice. No, he? he lost to Derrick Jones Jr. He lost to Derrick Jones. Zach Levine Jones won Jr. the dunk contest two years in a row. So who, yes. who did Zach Levine beat the first year? He beat Aaron Gordon in the in the quote unquote great robbery. Yes. And that was the second time. The first time we don't even remember who was in that contest because we already knew okay. who was going to win after the first dunk. So okay. fair enough. Uh, but what I'm saying is, there's enough guys that are that height that have won it. Where it's not, oh my gosh, I never seen somebody that tall win it. You seen guys that height or taller win it. So I don't, I don't, I don't buy the the thing of he didn't know. There's, there, there is a, there is enough data. There, um, okay, so he has he has a reference for how he could have done it. All right, let's yeah. just say this: Mac went out he, there to go get it. Mac, I think yeah. to me that's the that's the most. Let's put it in the simplest terms: Mac went out there to go get it. Everybody else was just kind of lollygagging. Mac went out there to put pressure on everybody from the first dunk. Yeah, Kenny Martin Jr. is a game dunker. He's one of those guys that because he's not tall and he jumps out the gym. He he's a very volatile, violent, just like his dad, game dunker. His dunks are impressive because you being there to defend him is not relevant to him completing that dunk. It's either he's gonna dunk or he's gonna dunk on you. Whereas yeah. Mac McClellan brought style, substance, showmanship. You know, he brought out his high school jersey for his final dunk. Mm-hmm. He um he definitely played to the crowd. He fed into the whole idea, which is the new wave of dunking nowadays, is how many times you can rotate in the air. Because that seems to impress dunk contest participants in, in the crowd more than anything. If you jump in the air and spin more than once, then the same dunk you did where you're basically doing a fundamental dunk, but you spun you spun two two times in the air before you did it, becomes that much more amazing. He did yeah, that. Yeah, but look how, that, look how difficult that is. You jump in the air and spin once is difficult, let alone now you're doing it more than once. That's not a common thing, you know. I mean, have you ever yeah. jumped in the air and spun? I've never jumped in the air and spun and dunked. Was okay. it different? Have I you ever jumped in... in the air and spun? Yes. Okay. Was it difficult? Listen, there's a difference between dunking Follow and my spinning. Logic. Follow okay. my logic. Okay. It's not to hate on him, but it's to point out that we're enamored with something that we think is difficult, but it's actually not. It's just because people don't think to do it. You've jumped in the air and spun. Your verticality didn't change. I mean, let's be fair. You don't really jump that high. Neither do I. But you jump in the air and spin, it's not like you, oh, I didn't get a full rotation and almost fell on my face. No. But because guys weren't doing that and that wasn't the art of dunking, and now it is, it's impressive. So I don't want to detract from the man. Like I said, he put on a phenomenal show. It's argued that he saved the dunk contest because, you know, the dunk contest needs to save you every two years. Mm -hmm. One year the dunk contest is bad and everybody says we need to just throw it away. When honestly, the three-point contest to me I didn't watch it live, but watching the replay, I I still wanted to take a smoke break, and I don't smoke. Yeah, but I think what it is, at least you're getting names you heard of. Guys that get playing. Yeah. I mean, of course. Of course. So that's, that. that's that's the thing. So you're going and to I get... thought it was great that Tatum stunk it up in the three-point contest and then come back and redeem themselves the next night. So I thought that was mm-hmm. dope. Yeah, and that's the thing. And then, and then Dame, for Dame, Damian Lillard to win it, somebody that, that is um, – but that's a name that you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. A superstar in the league, you know what I mean? At one point, you could say he was, you know, he's a top five player at one point, maybe top ten still, you know what I mean? Like, whereas 
When was the last time we got a top 20 NBA player in the dunk contest? Yeah, those don't happen. John Moran has already openly said he'll never be in the dunk contest. Zion Williamson. um, He will never never even be playing uh, healthy enough to be in one. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's... you know what it is? We got spoiled. We didn't realize we were spoiled. That we we came up in an era where a lot of what affects the NBA now wasn't present then. Mm-hmm. This load management, this we've got to make sure you're going to be okay for the stretch run to end the season. A, a, a lot of these factors play into whether or not these guys actually get to participate. I do feel like there are probably in some of these player clauses, some of these players' contracts clauses that basically forbid them from participating because the risk reward really doesn't benefit the franchise. Listen, Mac McClung is a Philadelphia 76er. We'll get to their playoff odds as far as success. He doesn't factor. Mm-hmm. He does not factor. If Mac McClung plays in a regular season game between now and the end of the season, I'll be surprised if those minutes are any type of meaningful. And that's no. not to knock his talent. That's just to say where he ranks as far as an actual NBA player. There's a disparity like you speak to. But, I mean, let's, 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 let's take it even further. Derrick Jones Jr., how many meaningful minutes does he have? Uh-uh. He's gotten some playing time probably when he was still with the uh... – Miami no, he was actually always oh, with the Miami Heat, and he got a little bit. He got some light when he was in Portland, oh. but again, nothing to this to the point of, you know, a guy that is even a top three guy on his team. You top know, 10. so he, he's not, he, he, no. I'm saying this he's is, blessed to be in a rotation. Yeah, that's true, and yeah, that's what and guys. that's what we're and that's what we're subject to seeing with a lot of these dunk contest participants. I think it's a lot easier to tell a star to go out and shoot for a minute, which is what the, the three-point contest is. And you get to pick where you shoot on the court and have your money ball and all that. Like, it's a different it's a different fatigue level. I think you're going to continue to see what we are witnessing now, an era where the NBA's best players are not the NBA's best dunkers in the dunk contest. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I don't want to see John Morant in a slam dunk contest. Because after my analysis, I feel like his dunk window is really centered around the dotted line. And if you draw a circle around the basket from the dotted line outward, that's where he's phenomenal. His hops is crazy. But does it really look like he has a bag of dunks? I mean, again, we will, unfortunately, we'll never know. Would he probably be capable of, of pulling some stuff out that we've never seen before? I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. But do I think that he has dunk contest type of talent? Ability, yes. Talent, no. We know after watching what Mac McClung did that he pretty much probably prepped for months in preparation because I saw a video of the professor. Shout out to the professor. And he met with all of those guys months in advance. So they mm. all known that they were going to be the participants. I found it strange that the defending champ didn't defend. And that's the part of the dunk contest that, that bothers me. It's like, okay, guys win it, and then they don't even try to return. 
Yeah, it used to be a bad, it used to be an honor to, to go ahead and um defend defending in a dunk contest or try to go for a repeat. But at this stage in the game now, it's not even the case. Guys guys get the trophy and they're out of there. I mean, sometimes you don't even get guys who might have been in the finals try to go ahead and uh participate again so they can try to win it. Yeah, you're not you're not getting I guess guy again, guys aren't seeing the benefit in it. But I think hopefully for what Mac did was the benefit in going out there and giving it your all because he ended up getting a, a sneaker a sneaker deal with Puma. He ended up winning a hundred thousand dollars for the contest, and he ended up getting some notoriety and some publicity that at, at this stage of his career he didn't get. He got some new fans. He got some news new eyes on him. And again, that might open some doors for him for some multiple opportunities going forward. Yeah, so, shout so out to him. Shout and congratulations, to him. because Facts. I I've been aware of Mac McClung for a while because you know mm-hmm. you and I both we we kind of like we 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 live on the YouTube streets. We're hoop junkies, so we've seen highlights of him. Even if we didn't know who he was, we've seen him because uh, again his unique ethnic complexity allows him to be promoted in a way where he's gonna he's gonna wind up showing up on the screen. Um, but I also saw him. After tracking him on YouTube, I saw that he played for the Golden State Warriors summer league team, and he actually mm-hmm. made their team. But then he got mm-hmm. cut. He got cut when they went into the regular season, so he didn't get cut in the traditional way of like he's off the NBA roster. He was on the G League team. So when you're on a G League team, you're subject to being called up by any franchise, unless mm-hmm. you're on a two way deal. So Philadelphia brought him up, literally like I think like two hours before the dunk contest. So he was obliged to wear their jersey. I'm being sarcastic, by the way, y'all. He'd been called about Philadelphia like a week before the dunk contest. But it was basically he's the first G League player to win an NBA dunk contest. So, again, he, he broke a lot of barriers. And he definitely reestablished the idea that a dunk contest can be an entertaining endeavor. And hopefully next year they're able to build upon that rather than what has been happening, which is you have a good – dunk contest and then the next year you have one where everybody says oh just throw the whole all-star weekend away which was the takeaway from the actual game mm-hmm. well and again that's, let's let's transition to the game where a lot of players and a lot of fans are getting upset with the lack of defense it's almost like guys out there and they're on a layup line because there were there were many of times where guys were going one-on-one and you literally see Guys with their hands like in their in their shorts almost, or guys are just kind of with their arms crossed. And I think I think if they do that, I really think that like to make it kind of competitive, almost like to make it like a three, maybe even five dribble limit when you do that. So because when guys get trying to do one on one, some guys take ten to fifteen dribbles. At some point, it's like, all right, dude, I'm just gonna let you go by because you're gonna dribble off the clock. Like maybe at some point, the best in the world. Actually, play some defense because when I see their summer workouts, they are aggressive. Like if an All Star game was like some of these guys' summer workouts, the All Star game there would be never any question about the competitiveness in the All Star game because those guys are out there. They you know they're trying to establish dominance. Where now for the All Star game, guys is out there and it's just like the Matador defense. So that's one thing that they have to work on just from a competitive standpoint. But if guys can have like a three dribble limit, like okay. Boom. Like, you know, almost like they put a spotlight on it. Just go one-on-one. Boom. And you got, you know what I mean? Like, to make it somewhat, guys will see that. I think that will amp some things up. Or 
they say, hey, you know, first first to 50 or first to 100 or whatever it is, um, they have to do something. Well, fourth quarter, you got to make it, you got to make it competitive. Like, just, it's just something that when you see guys just no defense, not even a little bit of defense. Again, LeBron hurting his hand playing defense, but that wasn't even, that was something that most people didn't expect. And nobody expected him to even try to go block the shot like that. So, it's just one of those things. But, yeah, I think the NBA needs to work on having some type of some type of defense to make the games more competitive. I think a couple of years ago, there was a couple – there have been some also games where, you know, the, like the last five to eight minutes of the game was very competitive. But I, that's not really the case. Yeah, you know, especially this past uh, All Star game. That this, wasn't the case. To me, to me, this facade of the All Star game being competitive has been like it, it's it's a facade. Just, just there's no other way to to say it and and speak honestly about it. Yes, there are moments during the All Star game where you have seen intense competitions, but you've also seen some of the greatest bromances ever play out in NBA history during All-Star games. You know, Michael Jordan's farewell song. Um, Magic Johnson coming back after the HIV situation and playing half-court one-on-one with Isaiah Thomas for literally to wrap up the end of that All-Star game. What was that, the, the 92 All-Star game, I want to say? So that might be, you know, predating a lot of our viewers or it may be something that a lot of our viewers don't even remember happening. But the all-star game to me has always been random flashes of hyper-competitiveness. I think, and I'm going to put it on them because Jalen Brown is the person who said it. He was like, oh, it felt like a glorified pickup game. Well, it's on you. It's on the players that are out there to decide how serious they're going to play. Giannis didn't play. LeBron didn't play. I think the competition level when those two are actively a part of the game was higher. Remember the season where they went to Cleveland and LeBron had to hit the game winner? Mm-hmm. I don't remember what happened for the first two halves, quarters, or whatever it is they do for this scoring method that they're doing now. But when they got to money time, it looked like some, you know, like some competitive basketball was taking place. That's, that's the era. It, the All-Star game is not serious in baseball. We see more home runs fly during the All-Star game in baseball. You see more goals scored during the All-Star game in hockey. That's what those events are about. It's video game-ish. So the idea that you get the world's best players and they're supposed to have like this super intense, you know, like lockdown in the gym training camp style of game for the fans, it's never been realistic to me. So I watched the All-Star game, but I didn't tune in until near the end because I know better. Now, obviously, from an NBA fan perspective, from the league's perspective, do they need to do something if they want to make this an event where you feel like people should be tuned in? Yeah, they've got a work to do because this is the lowest-rated NBA All-Star game, I think, like in the past 20 years. So there's definitely some things that they're going to look to try and address, but I think there's also there's a, there's a fatigue effect and there's a guys you expect to play who don't play and haven't played in years. Like Kevin Durant hasn't played in an All-Star game in two years. If not, mm. it, might be, it might be four because of the injury. He didn't come back, play for Brooklyn – and playing the All-Star game when he finally had that healthy year, did he? I think he got hurt. 
Like, he's been hurt for, like, three consecutive All-Star breaks since he's been healthy. You know what I'm saying? So, you got the world's best players unavailable to play in the game. That's going to affect the interest level and the um, the intensity of the game. So, I, I feel like there's external factors that affect that. And I honestly don't even want to get the All-Star game no more light. Let's go ahead and talk about these buyout players that have found themselves in competitive situations. Kevin Love has managed to secure a buyout to say farewell to the Cleveland Cavaliers and he'll be joining the Miami Heat. Do you feel like that is an envelope push for them? Yeah, I mean, I really I really look at it like how much is a guy like that still having a tank? I, I really look at it also from the standpoint of it, it can definitely help come playoff time because Kevin Love a, is a good passer. He can shoot a couple, you know, every now and then. But I'm expecting him to, you know, get 30-30 games like he's done before in the past or even consistent 20-10 and 10 games, I, I don't see it. I don't see that. Maybe that's just me, but I don't really no, see that. No, he, I, don't think, I don't think Kevin Love is going to Miami to start. But I think he does provide a veteran common presence on the front court. Val Matabayo is pretty much their best front court player. And mm-hmm. there's nobody outside of Udonis Haslam that can really – speak to him from a level of seniority and experience to give him an understanding of what it takes to win. You and I have spoken on the podcast after every failed season about the Bam Adebayo must do, or during that postseason run, what we would expect Bam Adebayo to be able to do to make his team viable. Now he's literally those blood, sweat, and tears who can give him a perspective that he may need to actually hear because Kevin Love cut the nets. He cut the nets in a subordinate role, understanding the sacrifice that you must go through. And again, he has a weapon that Bam doesn't. He can shoot reliably from the three-point line. He's one of the most prolific three-point shooters as a big and as a shooter, period, in NBA history. So if he is healthy enough to contribute and give you, you know, like you said, those spot minutes where he's doing what he's always done, which is being efficient, an efficient rebounder, a great screener, and a pick-and-pop threat, I think that does help Miami because – a big part of the way they run their offense, it's either Jimmy Butler gets some sort of mid-range thing going or they're shooting threes or Bam Adebayo with his random offense. So you got a pick-and-pop guy who is going to allow the paint to be opened up because the defense is going to commit to him popping. So I think that helps them, but I think the fact that they weren't able to make a move on another ball handler playmaker and they basically stuck with Kyle Lowry, I think it's going to come back to bite them. They're currently in the seventh seed. Uh-huh. And it's going to be a dogfight to get out of that seventh position because they're looking at trying to usurp the Knicks and Brooklyn with all that they've acquired. Even though they don't have a marquee player, the amount of players that they acquired and how well they, they played in you know, those first couple games, it leads to believe that Jock Vaughn is capable of keeping them competitive. So, and they've got what a two and a half game lead on Miami. So, yeah, it's fragile. The Knicks only have a half game lead on Miami. It's fragile, but I don't know. I, I don't see my – again, you don't write off Miami because of their pedigree. Mm-hmm. That's but for sure. If they're in a playing situation, you know what? I'm not going to speak ill of Miami. Miami can do whatever they want. I just don't believe them to be able to, if they're in the seventh or eighth spot, be able to go on a long playoff run. You know, Milwaukee in your first round. And that's tough sledding. And even mm. with Kevin Love, I don't see them having enough if Milwaukee is healthy to beat Milwaukee, which would be the most vulnerable of those two teams. Um, mm-hmm. 
Along with that, Pat Beverly is now joining the Chicago Bulls, and he's made it clear that because the Bulls have two games left against the Lakers, his goal is to knock the Lakers out of the playoffs um, and also make the playoffs for the Chicago Bulls. We're not going to dedicate much energy to the Chicago Bulls making the playoff situation because you declared them pretty much a dead fish in what, January? Yeah, it was January, you said. Yeah, yeah. And they exactly. have done nothing to prove you wrong. Yeah, because if Pat Beverly is the highlight of the trading deadline, then you got a lot. But let's more, speak to uh, the also make... the also secondary portion to that is that the Chicago Bulls announced that Alonzo Ball, Alonzo Ball. I don't want to say Alonzo because his name is not Alonzo. Alonzo, it's Alonzo. Alonzo Ball is officially declared out for the season as he continues to experience knee pain post surgery that he had prior to the beginning of the season. So nothing but health and, and, and recovery wishes for Lonzo Ball. It's very unfortunate. That's a player that I always root for. Mm-hmm. He was drafted by the Lakers. He, he's got a unique situation. I believe him to be a good kid and a good young man. I've never, like, really read into anything that leads me to believe that, you know, he's not worthy of the support that I'm sending his way. So I hope he is able to recover and bounce back. We as people who have been injured before know what it's like and only want the best for that young man. NBA careers are fragile. The worst way to go out, if you ask Chandler Parsons, is not being able to actually get on the court and prove your, your merit because your body just won't allow you to do it. And he's young. I don't even know if he's 26 yet. So I definitely don't want mm. this to be be the, you know, the the beginning of the end for, for a young man who really overcame some, not overcame, but shown he in some really tough situations. Having having the, the type of support system he had, having the exposure that he had and then walking into the NBA and being a target. And then to also have to work on his game while being a pro. I mean, remember, he literally went from having the ugliest shot in the NBA to having a, oh, all right, that looks pretty decent. And he's shooting 40%. That's mm. a big turnaround. Mm-hmm. Because he had all the other tools in place. He was one of the best lead-ahead passers in the league from the guard position. Very unselfish. Very, very good at keeping the team organized. You know, some of the things that he did in New Orleans before he got traded out kind of made it surprising that he did get traded, and then he brought those same aspects to the Bulls. And I think he's a big part of why the Bulls are where they are, where they are now without him because they don't have a steadying influence from the, the lead guard position. So, you know, health and welfare and recovery to, to Lonzo Ball. Um, who else got swooped up in the uh, – in the buyout market. I think that was pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a long list of outstanding NBA free agents, guys, that like you are surprised aren't playing for a team or may not be surprised because they probably pissed you off as an NBA fan at one time or another, like Hassan Whiteside, who remained <laughs> unsigned and on the outside looking in. Um, hmm. uh-huh. I'm going through these highlights. Uh, the Hawks are favored to try and bring Quinn Snyder in as their coach. Um, do you want to delve into the Hawks situation or do you want to go into prospects for, because I think we started to touch on how the wild, wild, yeah, we did. We touched on how the West is wild and it could become even wilder with the trade fallout. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much energy we should dedicate to that because I feel like we still owe Philadelphia a favor. I kind of like blacklisted them at the beginning of the season and they've proven to to, to be a legitimate contender. What, what's your take on Philadelphia right now? Oof. They oh. sit right now currently three three games out of the best record in the league and the third position in the East. 
Mm-hmm. They, I believe, have the NBA's best defense. I'm not sure, but that might be like they're somewhere in that range. Yeah. Last ten games, seven and three. They got um, they got Tyrese Maxey back, and he accepted a role off the bench, and he has thrived. Uh, they moved Shake Milton into the starting lineup. Um, Joel and James Harden have proven to be a devastating pick and roll, pick and pop combo. Um, they were able to alleviate some of their roster issues by getting Matisse Thybul and some of those other players who really didn't fit how they're constructed now in that win-now mode that they're in. And like I said, I've brushed aside Philly repeatedly for years on this podcast, and I feel like they do deserve some respect for actually being able to not falter. This might be the season where Embiid gets that MVP, but it's going to be tough. Oh no! I, I think it's going to be. Well, probably, again. I don't, I would hate I would hate to say so only because they vo- got the voters might get in the league. Yes, but the voters might get fatigue from voting him the, the uh, MVP again. Yeah, I, I think I think they won't because one, I think there's an animosity towards Embiid amongst these MVP voters, and two, hmm. Jokic has never won the MVP while his team had close to one of the best records in the league. They've always been, you know, in spite of all of the guys falling down around Jokic, he manages to keep them in the playoff race, MVP. And now this year, they're number one in the West. They're one game back of Boston in the win column. They may wind up finishing with the league's best record. That's going to be Jokic's trophy. He's averaging nearly a triple double mm-hmm. as a center. That's going to be Jokic's trophy. Joel Embiid, to get the MVP, is going to have to somehow leapfrog. Mm-hmm. Because if Jokic continues chugging along at the pace he's in, just mail the trophy. There's no other candidates. You can't give it to John Morant because his team wins better when he's not playing. You can't give it to Tatum because he's canceled out by Jalen Brown. Giannis hasn't been healthy, and this is actually a down year statistically for him. So it's Embiid and Jokic again. And for Embiid, even though he put the beats on Jokic in their head-to-head matchup, guess what? Your team still ain't got the best record. So now it's gonna, they're going to continue to find reasons to not give him Embiid this trophy. But at the same time, Embiid's impact on the floor and in the league is undeniable. Do you think they're legitimate? Do you think they're a title contender? Did I lose you, C. Grant? Yo. Mm-hmm. What's Did that? I, lose you? I said, do I you think, think so. that they're a legitimate title contender? I don't, I, you know, honestly, I don't buy into Philadelphia, man. It's something about, I feel like. Doc's yo, I tried, got- y'all. I tried for y'all Philly fans. I tried. I feel like Doc's gotten them to as best as he can. I really, I, to me, I don't think the Matisse, ceiling has already been hit. I believe so because I, I really don't see, I really don't see Matisse Thibault's gone. That experiment of him being a you know a phenomenal up and coming defensive player that you got to play offense in order to be on the floor, especially if they're going to kick the ball to you. Uh, uh, Tobias Harris to me is always going to be the X factor because you're paying him like he's a top three scorer on your team and 
he might produce 20 points a game. He might get you two points. He might get you eight points. He might get you 18 for two straight. But he is never that, is that Tobias's fault though? No, but that's Tobias's career. No, that's his career. No, he's his always career. been. No, remember when he when he was in L.A. and that was all Doc had. He's twenty and ten. Yeah, but again, Tobias overall for his career is what he's been doing now in Philly. He hasn't done like he he's not separated himself, but he's always. But I think the usage is so much different when you're playing with a guy like James Harden and Embiid. But Your he touches okay. are going to change. No, I'm not saying they don't. But when I'm looking at when I'm looking at that team, I'm not. I'm all right. Like James, to me, is it might is a possibility he might burn out like he normally does in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a real thing. Now with Embiid, is he going to be healthy on the court? Consistency for every round of the playoffs. Is he going to? That's something that. That's, that's something that. That's something that historically he's never done. Exactly, and then also, then also, maybe a a one solid X factor is Tyrese Maxey, who has each year has gotten progressively better, and Mm -hmm. with more confidence, he's to me has been stepping up into that third kind of score role. Oh, he's clearly, he's clearly. I would think if you go option, you go Embiid, Harden, Maxey, and you might even go. Embiid, Maxi Harden, depending on who's on the floor, because yeah, but you now, Ma- but you paying Tobias Harris as that you, third option. You've been overpaying Tobias. Yes. Tobias, the moment he signed that contract, everybody in the league said what and why. Yeah, there's no there's there's no excusing what Philadelphia did, and guess what? No team has given Philadelphia opt out for it. No team wants that Tobias Harris contract. Mm-hmm. There's no amount of anything that you can trade out with him that makes a team say, you know what, fine, we'll take that five-year, $178 million. I think he got almost an identical deal to what they gave Ben Simmons. Yeah, pretty much. Remember, remember they gave Tobias that deal instead of Jimmy Butler. Correct. I'm sure they might want, they might want their refund. But I don't want to say instead. I... <laughs> I still don't know how that whole Philadelphia situation went down, but it is well noted that Jimmy Butler asked them to sign and trade him to Miami and Philadelphia went along with it. So I do believe that. But Jimmy Butler wanted to stay in Philly at one point. I, I, I can't say, I can't say you're wrong or right. I, I really don't know. The I've heard him. I've heard him talk on, I think if not mistaken, it was JJ Reddick's podcast. This has been a couple of years ago, and he was kind of alluding to, y'all picked Tobias over me. Like, I kind of wanted to be there, but the fact that y'all kind of didn't make it a priority to resign But again... So, again, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's... Remember, remember, this is Jimmy Butler we're talking about. No, of course. Who, who, who could have... Who could you know, who could have... Jimmy Butler that? is an amazing conjurer of grudges. Mm-hmm. He's, and, he's somebody who definitely... He danced to the drum of his own beat. So I, I don't want to say he's lying, and I'm not even trying to imply that. But, again, I don't rem- I remember the process. I remember Tobias got his bag, Jimmy got traded. But sometimes things get announced and not in the sequence that they actually happen. So that's why I always kind of sit it out. 
I know that Embiid was very, very upset at the fact that they were not able to retain Jimmy, and he made that known immediately. It wasn't something that he hid from or ran from. You know, they were on Twitter, you know, basically bromancing about the whole situation. So I definitely think that there was, it was a real thing. I still, to this day, no one can ever produce logic that supported the contract that they decided to give Tobias Harris other than Philadelphia. Maybe they felt like he would be given back to the community in a way that no other player would. And I don't know. I don't know. But you and I, we're big time proponents of never speaking down onto what another man's worth is just that contract definitely affected their flexibility going forward. It definitely did. You got, I think Tobias Harris this year, I don't want to look it up, but it might be possible that he's making more money than James Harden. Mm, I don't know. I have to look that up. I don't think so. I don't think so. But I, you know, it is what it is. Enough again. Philly, I feel like they. I feel like Doc has reached his ceiling with Philly. Uh, I don't really see that team getting again. He is. Tobias I really Harris don't. Is making thirty-seven point six million, and James Harden is making thirty-three. Wow. Enough said. Enough said. Yeah. Yeah. So. Again, it was five years, one hundred and eighty mil. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And each year was going to get was going to increase. But yeah, I, see, that's the thing. The only counter argument I have to what you're saying is that Doc Rivers took them since he's been there to the second round. You got to remember when they went to the East, when they went to the Eastern Conference semifinals and lost to Kawhi Leonard. That was uh the other guy. Wasn't that Brent Brown? Yeah, it was Brent Brown. That's when Jimmy Butler was still there. Correct. James Harden wasn't even there yet. Correct. So, again, I don't see this team – I don't see this team beating Milwaukee. I see In them – second round? Yeah. I don't, or Boston. I, I see them if, – if they, if they beat Boston, that's going to be their championship. And that could happen in the second round. Or whatever, but well, I don't they're see the third seed, so they would go three versus six, so they would get your Knicks. Mm-hmm. And I can see the I can see the Knicks. I can see the Knicks honestly taking them to seven games easily. I, and I would say easily. I can easily see the Knicks taking taking them to six. I think Embiid is just that much better than what the Knicks have to offer defensively. Um, and James will come around a couple of games. You know what I mean? But. I can but, see, yes. But James, got a guard, but James got a guard, Jalen. Yeah, and that's and, not... No, they're going to have to put Maxi on him. There's no way. There's no Maxie way. Maxi comes James, off the bench, so they're going to have to put Shake Milton. There's no guard. Yeah, there's I'm no guard. guard I'm going to say this, and people are going to think I'm being effing outlandish. There is no guard in the NBA that can consistently guard Jalen Brunson. He has the most unguardable guard game outside of Kyrie Irving in the league. You cannot lock him down. The only thing you can do is hope that he is having a bad night because the way he plays basketball is so unorthodox and so unusual from his position, his height and stature. He's unguardable. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It's true. Now watch him play. Watch him play. He, he can he hit has, the jumper. He yep. will cook you one-on-one. He can mm-hmm. get to his floater game. There's no spot on the court you can stop him from getting to. He can screen. 
and he his can come off the screen. The, and his field goal percentage in the paint is top, probably top three, maybe even top five in the league. He dragged Dallas to the Western Conference Finals. Everybody, Luca, 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 Luca. Dallas has been spending an entire calendar year trying to replace Jalen Brunson. And they yep. did it with Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Top five NBA talent in the, the league. But the only player who you could say he's he's able to do what Jalen Brunson did and more. There's no other player that could do that, what Jalen Brunson did for Dallas. So you put that kid who dragged Villanova with, 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 with a bunch of other great kids to two championships. Mm-hmm. In a must-win environment, seven times in Philadelphia. Come on, come on, yo, come on, let's go. You already, you already sold me the Knicks in the second round. I'm it, not listen, a Knicks Doc fan. Is... I'm a Knicks supporter, so this is me speaking from my basketball intellect. It's not being me being a fanboy or me trying to get on C. Grant's good side because he don't send me Christmas presents, gift cards, or none of that. I don't even know if he remembers my birthday. I'm telling y'all, ah! fans out there. Yo, you do son. not. If you're Philadelphia, you don't want the Knicks. You don't want them. You do not want to face the Knicks. You do not want a kid who won a championship in your city playing there four times. Yo, listen. If the let's just say, hypothetically speaking, since we, we're right there at this point, if Doc loses to the Knicks in the first round, Doc don't Doc knows that's full just, circle. No, listen. Yes, Doc is a former New York Knicks player. But Doc knows his coaching career in Philadelphia is over. His coaching career. Doc is good. At, Doc is a good enough coach. Oh, he'll, to get, he'll another get another job. job. But that it won't matter. It's like Nate McMillan. Yeah. We all knew the writing on the wall of what happened with Nate McMillan in Atlanta. When he yep. got the job, what did we both say? Like, oh, yo, I wonder how long this gonna last. And it wasn't even about whether or not Nate McMillan's a good coach. It's just. His history leads you to point to there's going to eventually be a separation. Uh-huh. And Doc does the same thing. Whether, whether he wears on the fan base, whether he wears on the front office. Because remember, things got ugly for him in Orlando. He got uh-huh. traded. He's the only NBA coach. No, didn't traded. Jason Kidd get traded? No, Jason Kidd got fired by Milwaukee. Hmm. When he was in Brooklyn, he didn't get traded to Milwaukee? Maybe he did. You might be right. It might have been a trade. I remember things got real weird. You're yeah. right. It might have been a trade. But, okay, two two guys with with temperamental behaviors, because Jason Kidd's another one. And Doc Rivers. So, look, we know that Doc Rivers in Philadelphia, he's not going to be coaching there like Red Auerbach until he's ready to ride off into the sunset. Oh, no, not no, happening. Yeah, we know that. Not happening. Only way that happens is if Philly wins the championship. Other than that, that's never going to It's still Philly. Philly is dealing with having lost every major sport championship that they competed for in this calendar year. Mm, Doc Rivers goes out in the first round to the Knicks. Oh, yeah, he's he's done. Just head up. This head up to nine. This head up to I head up I 95 and sit next to Spike and put on your Knicks jersey. Lose game seven in. What's Philadelphia's building called? I'm, I don't, I'm, not, I'm saying that because of disrespect, but the Philadelphia Center. I think the, is it the Philadelphia Center or something like that? I don't know. That's but, wild. 
not I mean, again, I know names like T D Garden and you know, I'm just gonna type it in. What's the seventy sixers home run record? Seventy sixers home run record. Because I don't want again, I'm not here to disrespect we, Wells Fargo Center. Okay. You lose game seven in the Wells Fargo Center and in the first round, those don't play late at night. Mm-hmm. Game seven's in the first round. That's usually a game that's gonna end like six, seven, eight o'clock. No, that's gonna end like nine. Nine the latest. That's I'm telling you, Doc is gone. Doc don't even Doc come can't back. Can't even show up to the post game conference. He might not be able to get out the building safely. They move yeah. game seven to the Knicks. Yo, anyway, Sham, again, Philly Shams or Woj is gonna report if the Knicks by the by what, like ten seconds left, they're gonna say rumor sources. Sources show that you know Doc Rivers has been let go. It's gonna the game's not even gonna be over. Shams inside, or inside Woj. Of, inside <laughs> of, it's gonna go. It's gonna hit. It's gonna hit Instagram. Inside Yo, of the it's gonna Doc hit Rivers the ticker. With Doc Rivers was that because that's the new thing now. Coaches ain't getting fired; they're getting dismissed because that's what they yeah. did to Nate McMillan. They fired him; they dismissed him. Yeah, yep. That's so disrespectful. The language that they use in these in these these ending of situations is just craziness. Um, but again, I didn't do this to sandbag Philly. I believe that they're a contender. I put them on contender for what Boston, though? For the a championship? Conference. Yeah. Or East or Eastern Conference Finals? Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, not a, not an NBA championship. Okay, cool. That's the difference. I mean, if you can get to the Eastern Conference Finals, then you're one of the top four teams. You possibly can go to the finals. Still, I, I okay. believe they have. I believe they have a puncher's chance to come out of the Eastern Conference, and they have a good chance to land in the Eastern Conference Finals because, again, their path right now it goes through Milwaukee. Mm. They can't do nothing. With, listen. I've said this before. There's only one team in the Eastern Conference that's equipped to contend with Boston, and that's Milwaukee. Yeah, you can overwhelm them with Embiid sauce. You can overwhelm Boston with Embiid sauce, but is that going to be enough? He needs another gun name. Is going to what, Maxi? I don't know. I don't know if that's enough. Boston is talented, tricky. They got one of the best defenses in the league. Robert Williams really does hold down there and check. Listen. Boston ain't no easy out for Philadelphia. But Milwaukee, where it's points at the rim versus points at the rim versus big versus big, I think Embiid can show out and, and eat Lopez's food well enough to get them past Milwaukee. If there's a team that can knock off Milwaukee before Milwaukee gets to the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe it's Philadelphia. I don't see any other team below Milwaukee that has a puncher's chance against Cleveland. I mean, against, against, against Milwaukee. Cleveland, not a chance. Brooklyn, not a chance. New York, no disrespect. I don't favor them beating Milwaukee. The rest of those teams, cannon fodder. Yeah, Miami and Milwaukee have a history, but that history is outdated. Milwaukee healthy, the only team that I see that could beat them other than Boston is Philadelphia. So that's why I have to give Philadelphia a chance. Because if we get to the semifinals and Philadelphia were to beat them, we can't act too shocked, can we? Would you really be super shocked? No, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I you don't, would be surprised, no, but you would be floored. I don't trust Philly. That's only I don't trust them either. It's a, listen, Philadelphia can't do anything. To, we said, I said this, I said this when I started writing them out when we stopped talking about them. The reason we don't talk about Philly is because Philly hasn't earned the right to be spoken about based off of their 
history. Exactly. Okay. So they don't have the history to support us. Be it's if you lived in Philly and ate cheesesteaks every day, and Damn. we're talking seventy sixes or whatever the case may be, we'd have to contend with that because that would be your fan loyalist support energy. But we don't have that for them. We're we're we're, we're being purely subjective and objective about what we know about basketball and their history when it comes to Philadelphia. That's why we also don't go too crazy when we talk about the Knicks and the Lakers because we have our personal favoritisms towards them. So mm-hmm. we do it respectfully. Philly doesn't have any playoff equity where anybody can say, yo, y'all be disrespected. If anything, we show y'all respect by not bringing them up and disrespecting them. But, <laughs> but they're the number three team in the East. They are literally three games back of the best record in the NBA, a half game back of the second seed, and they've been playing really good basketball this year. I felt like if we could give them, you know, some, like, plastic flowers, here you go, bro. Mm-hmm. Shout out to mm-hmm. y'all. So th- that, that's really what I wanted to make sure we do because I know that I have friends on the pod who listen to the pod, and they're Philly fans. And I don't want to make it seem like, you know, like we just continually sweep them under the rug. And B is having a great season. Harden is bouncing back. I have to give them their credit. But their equity, it runs out once the playoffs start. Mm. And they got a lot more to prove than all these other teams. Milwaukee got a championship. Celtics is coming off a finals appearance. Philadelphia ain't never done that with Embiid there. Either one mm. of those teams. No. As a matter of fact, has both. Has Doc Rivers been to a conference final since he left Boston? I think the answer is no. He didn't do it in uh He didn't, he didn't go in, to one in, in LA in um Clippers? No. Wow. Ah, for us. Wow. So no, Doc What year did the Clippers have a chance to go to the finals with Clippers with, with, with Doc as the coach? I was did just they have wondering a three one turnaround? With that with that Chris Paul, the Blob City team, they get to the Cross Conference Finals? Yeah, you're right, right. Golly. He he was the first year of the Kawhi team. And that Kawhi team that lost in the bubble lost three to one to Dallas in the Western Conference semis, or was it the first round? That mm. they cleaned out in the bubble. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I don't remember. I definitely don't remember that part. But Lucas sent a lot of Lucas sent some teams home. Like Lucas go home bag is kind of he's got some names in his go home bag. Like, you know, if he was a serial killer. He got some pretty famous kills. So, so are we going to talk about KD going to um, Phoenix for, for the last couple of minutes we got left on the podcast? Just to kind of touch up on Maybe we have to well, circle I, I back. I might have to circle back that KD then. I'll restate what I said. If Phoenix can ensure that they don't wind up crossing paths with Dallas early off in the playoffs, I give them a puncher's chance to get to the conference finals. But if they got to see Dallas, I pick Dallas every time. Mm, that would be a match. The NBA will be loving that matchup. But immediately after the trade, Dallas lost two games and slid from the fifth or fourth spot into the sixth. But prior, when the trade had just happened, they were four or five. So I don't know who was fourth and who was fifth. It might have been Dallas because the Clippers have moved up, which is amazing considering the Clippers. Let's go ahead and talk about that. Okay. First, you tell me what your take is on on, on Katie and the and the, the Suns. You, you, what's your on a scale of one to ten? Ten mm. being a strong possibility that they can win the West, 
what's the number you want to get for you based on their currently constructed roster? What, not having what, seen them play because I know you haven't, well, yeah, seen, I haven't them play, seen them play. Hasn't I mean, I'd say eight and a half. Really? Because it's K- KD. KD, I can see him. I think Chris Paul could get you a game. Booker could possibly get you a game. KD got Chris definitely Paul can get got, you a game of what? If he could play, if he's playing, like just say, because like Chris Paul could help facilitate a game. Chris Paul to, can get you a, what, what a Game of Thrones. Hey, Chris Paul is Chris. Well, let me say this. Well, oh gosh, that's a tough stretch. Chris Paul at this point in his career. No, nah, yeah, okay, I take helmet. that back. I take that yeah, back. Yeah, watch your but, helmet. Exactly. Okay, thank you. So between okay, so between Chris Paul and Booker, they can get you a game. I think that's fair to say the two of them could get you a, a one game, right? Mm-hmm. Two of them hitting on all cylinders that can get you a game. Mm-hmm. KD could get you two by himself, I think, because he's going to mm-hmm. be causing so much of an imbalance defensively for your team mm-hmm. that to the third game, I mean the fourth game, they would have to win. Ooh, and they all have to be clicking. Yeah, it'd have to be a collective effort. Which it'd be one of those games where DeAndre Ayton has a twenty and twenty. Now, yeah, you just... set the stage perfectly. I commend you. Hold on, y'all. Now, see, Grant, tell me who the f on Phoenix can get a stop. Oh no, 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 no! Come on now. Is you have to outscore? They have to outscore other team in order to win. It's, in it's the going to be of NBA playoff basketball. How many successful outscoring teams? Are we not reliving the same thing that happens in Phoenix over and over and over again? Barkley, unstoppable offense, steamrolled to the finals. Michael, clip him. He only did it once. Phoenix, top of the line offense, one of the most efficient offenses in recent NBA history. Get to the finals. Giannis, clip him. Mm-hmm. You got a juggernaut offensively now in Phoenix, but you got three guys on the perimeter or wherever you're going to hide KD that can't guard a body. CP mm. has not been a good defensive point guard in almost 10 years. Ever since Steph Curry made him touch the baseline in oh, Staples gosh. Center, yep. the idea that you need to be worried about CP3 on defense is a joke. Alvarado ate his food. And I'm not downplaying Jose Alvarado. Brilliant young man. Great defensive talent. CP3 couldn't do nothing with him. Mm. Devin Booker. He's allergic to defense. He literally might catch a rash. <laughs> if, he, if he gets a stop. Devin Booker with the stop. Oh, he's coming out the game. Looks like he's breaking up in hives, Bob. Why? What, what, what are the highs for? Oh, I think you got to stop. You know, that makes him allergic. Kevin Durant, uh, uh, uh. name me three great defensive plays you remember in Kevin Durant's history that he's a part of. We ain't got that much time. Exactly. <laughs> All their defense is in Brooklyn or Milwaukee because Jay Crowder got moved there. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Mikael Bridges is scoring 45 points in Brooklyn. Mm. Look, Phoenix is going to be punching. You got Devin Booker who once scored. What, what's his career high? Was it 70? 70. Okay, so he's done 70. KD is given, I think he's, he's got a max out of like 60. There's only one basketball. 
okay, so y'all go out there and y'all steamroll the team and y'all beat them 145 to 130. But then the next game, y'all don't have that same cooking going. Y'all got to get stopped. That same team that y'all beat 145 to 130, guess how much they score in this game? Another 130. And you're talking about them trying to do that against John Moran. Or they're not doing that to Clippers. Do you favor Phoenix over the Clippers as currently constructed? Because that's how we need to end it. Russell Westbrook got to stay in L.A. And it is the most ironic, weirdest thing to happen this season. Let's go back and do the history. Three years ago, Russell Westbrook gets on the phone and calls Kawhi Leonard, fresh off of winning an NBA title. Yo, Kawhi, I know you and your free agent. Uh, I'm in a situation where I could possibly get myself out of Oklahoma City. I would love to come play with you wherever you're going to go. Kawhi, <laughs> I'm going to call you back. Kawhi picks up the phone. Yo, Doc Rivers. Yo, there's a guy in Oklahoma City I want you to get. Who you want, Russ? Nah, give me Paul George, bro. You make Paul George happen, I'll be a clipper. All right, click. Paul George is a clipper. Uh, uh, uh. Kawhi Leonard left Russell Westbrook to die in Oklahoma City to die <laughs> Russell Westbrook then goes through the next three years of basketball hell he gets himself traded to Washington was, no 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 he gets himself traded was it Houston then Washington uh-huh. Houston then Washington and then the Lakers and now he basically has come full circle to play with two guys who basically left him to die. Mm. And it's supposed to work. And everybody's like, happy. No, well, if somebody get it to work, it's going to be Ty Lue. I think Ty, I, I, Again, somebody's going to get it to this work. This is the best be basketball Lue. fit Russell Westbrook has had probably in the past four years. He will not be required to take a jump shot of significance unless he elects to do it with the players that he has out there on the court. He's got a great role man big in Zubac, which is Russell Westbrook. Him with a big who can secure a passing lane. Remember, Russell Westbrook got Steven Adams paid. Steven mm-hmm. Adams! Wow. He got him paid. He had Thomas Bryant looking like, yo, you might have outplayed your contract in L.A. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had the healthy version of A.D., you know, all eight games of it, Looking like an MVP candidate because of his ability to get bigs the ball. You give him an opportunity to push the pace and not be responsible for making a jump shot. You're going to get the best version of Russell Westbrook. And he's proven this year that he's a switchable defender because he went out and guarded whoever L.A. needed to have guarded every game. It may not have necessarily played out well. And here's the number one thing that you also forget. Russell Westbrook will no longer be required to make the key decisions. Unless you give him the ball, which is what the Lakers foolishly would do to end games. Let him get a rebound and not have somebody come take the ball from him or allow him to bring the ball up the court and execute that decision. I think Ty Lue, like you mentioned, he's such a great game manager. and He's proven that as a coach that he'll be able to survive that and allow those guys to thrive. So you know, even though I described this toxic environment, I don't think it will be that. I think that they all kind of understand they have this correlated need for each other. So they'll make it work to the best of their ability. But I don't project the Clippers to go further than the second round. 
That's where I'm at with it. Unless yeah. they get a team like Memphis in the second. Hmm. Which they currently they're in the fourth slot, so they would get Denver. The Clippers could beat Denver too. But because of what they're capable of with Kawhi, PG, and, and I don't want to say and Russ, but Norman Powell, the Clippers have a formidable team. They just mm-hmm. really didn't have a head of the snake in their point guard situation that they were happy with. Because mm-hmm. I didn't really have a problem with Reggie Jackson. The whole John Wall thing. I, just, I think he regressed. I think Reggie Jackson regressed. He wasn't the same Reggie Jackson from the bubble and from last year. And yeah, I think I they mean, were kind of expecting him that. Yeah, he played himself into a contract. Uh-huh. You always got to be wary of that post-contract what, what, euphoria. Uh-huh. So, you know, that euphoria got him shipped to where? But where they ship Reggie Jackson? Isn't he back in Oklahoma City? I thought he went to, I thought he went to Denver. Because oh. Bones, yeah, because yeah, they traded Bones Highland to uh, the Clippers. So the the Clippers have an interesting bench. I mean, you got uh, you got Bones there. You got was it Plumlee now? You have mm-hmm. Eric Gordon there. Eric, have, yeah, Eric Gordon. Yeah. Um, you have um. Yeah, I've still got Terrence Mann there. You still got normal. Powell. I still, I still. Like, the Western Conference goes through Denver. And I mean, their record kind of validates that you most likely will see them. Um, but yeah, I do think they're a beatable top seed, but I mm-hmm. still think that you're going to have to. I think, I think Jokic and that crew figures it out. I don't know if they get to the finals, but the way that, the way that Golden State has kind of canoed and essentially kind of like taking themselves out of serious contender status. They say Steph Curry is going to be out at least another week. So they're, they're ceiling, you know, you give the you give the defending champs the opportunity to defend their title. They're going to go out and fight. Uh, so I don't want to make it seem like we're removing Golden State from the possibility of figuring it out and going on a magical run. But right now they're outside of, of the playing game. I mean, they're, they're near the playing game at the nine seed, but it's tough sledding for them. It's tough sledding for them. And if they were to somehow manage to defend their title and make it to the finals, that means the Western Conference, basically somebody took a hand grenade to it. How do you, I, I think, I think, let me say this now. If the Golden State Warriors return to the NBA finals, at least three coaches in the West will get fired. Uh. That'll be interesting to see. At least three coaches will get fired. If Golden State is able to make it to the finals. Because this is essentially what, what Golden State is setting up. This is essentially the, the end of the run for them. Draymond is subject to his contract extension. Bob Myers, their GM, he's subject to a contract extension. They're hoping that Gary Payton II can return from his abdominal situation that when they traded for him. They punted on Wiseman. So they're in win-now mode. So they're going to recalibrate to do the best that they can to make these these winding-down years for that core, you know, as competitive as possible with the young guys that they're keeping. But, I mean, we, we already know that they're no longer feared in the West. When John Morant said what he said, we good in the West, what, six months ago, we all laughed mm. at him like, boy, you wilding. But, I mean... 
Yo, y'all gotta go to Memphis and beat him. So he not all the way wrong. Is Memphis gonna go out and beat everybody? No, we don't believe that. But you gotta beat them. Yeah. Interesting stuff, man. Interesting stuff. I again I see Phoenix like they're the West Coast Philadelphia. Okay, okay. With with with, with better results recently. Hmm. They did go to the finals. But again, they got smoked last year. Smoked. Smoked. Like Atlanta Airport smoking room smoked by Dallas. In a game seven on their home court. Yeah, a lot of those players are no longer there, but Devin Booker is. Mm. Chris Paul is. And again, we don't know how many legs Chris Paul got left. Mm. Chris Paul got, you know, he got al dente noodle legs. <laughs> so, you know, you're asking him to, to, to essentially be sturdy like a New York dancer for three rounds of the playoffs, and he's never proven to be able to do that. Even on their magical run to the finals, Chris Paul had, had nagging injuries. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. My, my stock on them is not high. And, and to wrap it off, because, you know, I'm the Lakers fan, and I got to speak on it. Look, man, the Lakers got 23 games. If they made the playoffs, bro, that's a miracle, man. I know everybody's saying that if they, make the, if they don't make the playoffs, that's embarrassing, but... I don't know where those expectations are coming from. Just because y'all made a whole bunch of trades to give y'all a roster that y'all should have started the season with, I think it's fool's gold to put the pressure on those guys to figure it out with a rookie head coach. So come on, y'all. Come on. Bus family, it's a little too late. Palinka, you played yourself. Let's go ahead and address that because you brought it up. Palinka, if you're not savvy enough to know that you just traded for a guy who used to smash your rookie's moms uh, uh, uh. openly. We're not saying it's like with some gossip, you know, like some gossip site. It's not some TMZ, you know, random black sports online fodder that we're talking about. No, it was openly known that Malik Beasley and Larsa Pippen were an item. Damn. And that's Scottie Pippen's son's mom. Uh, 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 uh. You put that dynamic in the locker room, in a locker room that was already toxic before you traded all those guys out. I can't wait for Pat Beverly to finally speak on whether or not him and Russ actually had to shoot the fade for them to have some locker room peace. I hope they did. But on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of Bruce <laughs> from the Clutch. As always, I'd like to say thank you to our supportive listeners and subscribers. If you'd like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the streaming platforms we're available on, which is all of them. Just go ahead and go into your search bar and search for Views from the Clutch. Hey, and don't be afraid to send us a screenshot and tell us you find us at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. If you would like to tag us on social media or open a discussion or join us on the podcast, find us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Instagram, Facebook, 